following episode contains dialogue that some viewers or listeners may find disturbing and or may not be suitable for younger audiences. This episode contains discussions of themes such as violence and suicide. Viewer discretion is advised. If you get emotional, that is okay. It will it will make for better. Should I talk about my childhood? If you if you want to, I think you need to go there. I mean, because you never know, you might be free. You might be free in somebody. Like, I don't want that And and not to be funny, but like, I had the white picket fence. I know people that had had some stuff, but I can't. It's it's one thing telling a secondhand story. All right, you gonna act like you got sense? <laughs> I'm gonna make sure I put that in there. Good. Well, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> the headlines have been out of control. I mean, what have we been going like three weeks? And, <laughs> and we've got Megan the Stallion. We've got Kanye and Kim. We've got a lot going on with these relationships. Oh, relationship, relationship. And I mean, Kanye, let's, oh man. I think Kim should have been at the point where she wish have been like, you know what, maybe we shouldn't even. I, I think she enabled him to the point where now she's like stuck after uh, how many kids they got? Four. So after uh, four kids in a marriage. Um, but I think I blame Beyonce and Jay Z because I think they were the first people that knew that Kanye was kind of insane. I think that's why they stopped hanging around him. Oh. <laughs> so how is that their fault? Well, they should have warned the rest of us. They all had. They all, knowledge. When they didn't show up, at that wedding, that should have been clue to all of us that something in that count was going on. Oh, you know what? You have a point. Yeah, they were the first people, if you really think about it, and you think about back when, you know, when Kanye and Jay-Z and all of them, they were always together, the MTV Awards, you know, all these award shows, and for for Jay-Z and Beyonce not to show up at the wedding, I think that kind of alluded to, should have been a warning sign to us that something wasn't right. Well, the tabloids said that Beyonce just didn't like him. <laughs> well, you know, the tabloids are going to say everything, but I think Beyonce may have been on the something. She probably didn't like Kanye. Oh, and other news. Tory Lane and Megan Thee Stallion. I can't believe you shot my friend. Yes, she is your friend in your head. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm just saying. But no, she seems like a really sweet girl. Um, but how did they get that far? I, I I think that is a that is a really good question. How how do things get that far? I mean, I don't know Tori and Megan personally, but um, I I think for things to get that far, we have to have had some sort of warning signs, you know, before before it gets to the point where you got to be shouting your feet twice, you know. Yeah, and she put out a statement that's you know basically said she was shot intentionally, and she's trying to protect her energy. And I think that's so important that we enter into relationships trying to fill voids. I know she said you know her both of her parents have passed away. Her mom most recently that was her best friend, and she said she was trying to fill up her time and her space and her energy with people that she thought had her best interest in. Sounds like it ended up not being so exactly that. If she's taking an argument that he was her friend, so how do we get from 
praying to this she can Well, we know that it was probably more than just a friendship because what I found interesting though, when we're talking about the topic of domestic violence, the reaction that we got after the fact, mm-hmm. I mean, from 50 Cent, who did apologize, but still reposted a picture of her running from being shot in a car to Drea making comments on some podcast for attention. And you just think to yourself, a woman actually saying she wants a man to love her enough to shoot her in the foot. That's crazy. But I, I know where you just made a point, but I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and, and say this. I get so tired of these celebrities. Like they say things and then once when they get the backlash, they take it back. Say what you mean to mean what you say. Like, I don't get the point of saying something and then when you face the backlash, you have to go and take it back. Because once you put the words out there, they're there. You can't take the words back. And I mean, and so now we see, and we, we see it not only in like domestic relationships or, or intimate relationships, we see it also, now look at the Ellen show. You got Ellen, she's facing all the backlash for all the abusive behavior, allegedly. That she's that that her staff has um, endured on her show. On her on her show, so we see this over and over again that these relationships um, that we engage in, and we we begin to see how they are really unhealthy at core. Um, and and I, I think that is a, a good conversation that we often skip over um, because the, the uh, Megan Thee Stallion and Tory Lanez type situation, you see where it kind of became, oh, she got shot. But then you see Twitter and all these other social media outlets take it and take it farther than probably that Megan and even allegedly Tori wanted it to go. A lot of times in abusive relationships, you don't want to speak out. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Megan did, and she said she needed to take her time, but she has not directly addressed who shot her, why she was shot. And I mean, that may not be the question that she's supposed to answer, but a lot of times in domestic situations, you see that the victim is trying to protect the aggressor. And and I, and I like that you pointed out, it's the, it's the fact of the matter that she was shot. I mean, so she was why? victimized in some sort of way. So whether, you know, whether what went on behind the scenes. I mean, you know, we have to consider the fact that she did cry out for help. And when victims cry out for help, they are often not believed. Or in, in her instance, she's a celebrity. And so there has to be some sort of collusion behind what went on. Now, we have the whole world trying to figure out why this victim was victimized. And so in a, in a sense, we end up victimizing being traumatized all over again um, in, by, by social media. Yeah. So, I mean, we've been talking about celebrities, but I think this topic definitely hits home for, I, I would say, you for sure, and me, myself as well. Not necessarily that I've been a, a victim to domestic abuse, but you would be surprised how many people in your everyday life you encounter who are actually dealing with domestic violence. And they can be professionals, they, they could have 
all the degrees, they can have all the money, they can have all the jobs and the accolades, and they're smiling and they're posturing. And at home, it's a totally different story. Totally different story. And and you're right. Um, I I lost my sister this, this past week um, to domestic violence. Now, according to the GBI, Milledgeville police were called to a home at 310 West Mitchell Street around 1130 this morning. They believe 33-year-old Tamika Justice made the 911 call. The GBI says Justice told police she was being harassed by her boyfriend. The release says once police arrived, 31-year-old Randall Wilson shot Justice several times before shooting himself. Witnesses have told me one of Justice's children was outside and saw her mother get shot. The GBI says Milledgeville police officers started first aid right away, but both Justice and Wilson were declared dead at a local hospital. She was a victim and it ultimately cost her her life. Um, I, I don't know much about the details of, you know, her relationship and I won't give the guy power by calling his name. Um, so I, I refuse to do that. Um, but what I do know is because someone else was hurting, because someone else wasn't explicitly taught how to love, and they, they ultimately cause someone else to lose their life. And now we have two young girls without their mother. Have one, have one child there at the time of the murder, just to witness their, their mom, her mom being taken away from her. And that trauma is going to probably, you know, follow her for the rest of her life. Right, right. And, and these are things that are swept under the rug, you know, it's the... The, the stuff that we don't want to talk about. It's the stuff that we 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 kind of keep hidden in the background. And when we do things like that, when we hold those secrets and, and when we have secrets about how we're treating one another, and, and, and that's when the enemy gets to take over. The enemy dwells in secrecy. Mm. Whenever there's a secret, the enemy knows that you're trying to hide it. And so you can paint yourself as this poorest person but eventually, you're going to be exposed. Now, hopefully, you're exposed soon enough and you don't cause the loss of a life like someone else, like my sister. Um, but we, 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 have to, we have to get to the core of this. And, and I think we, go, we need to go back to learning how to love. So I think that's so important. And like you said, um, I think sometimes... As Christians, you know, we're taught we're supposed to bear the cross and um, forgive uh, and and you shall be forgiven. But there is a fine line when we're talking about abuse in relationships where you really have to um, hold others accountable. And it does. It takes a it takes an amount of accountability. But I want to make one thing clear, um, because even when we were talking about the Megan the Stallion and allegedly Tory Lane situation, we talked about, and, and I've read the headlines and, and, I, and I've heard the rumors that, you know, she was beating him and, you know, I've, I've heard all sorts of things. And she's come out and said, that's not true. Right. And that's how we end up victimizing the victim in domestic violence situation. There's one perpetrator and there's one victim always. Always one per perpetrator and one victim. And it's all about power and control. And control.
The reason we're bringing this episode to our viewers, we're going to talk about freeing yourself and freeing yourself from those unhealthy situations and unhealthy love and, and those unhealthy and toxic relationships. And to do that, we have to understand how to identify a toxic situation, unhealthy love. What are your thoughts on, on that? I mean, I think it's so easy to get caught up in a toxic relationship. I mean, this this concept of trauma and past traumas is, I think, coming to the forefront in a lot of situations, even when you talk about uh, the Will and Jada situation. Yes. And and bad marriage for life. <laughs> I mean, life. That's, that's real. You have broken people who have their traumas coming together and perhaps not fully equipped to deal with their issues properly and then imposing their traumas onto someone else in order to get a sense of self-worth, a sense of happiness and releasing some of that anger or hostility or issues that they're dealing with, it's easy to blame someone else. Exactly. It's easy to talk to someone and it's your fault. You did this. Right. You did that. So you then you create this pattern where someone's always making it your fault. And I think if you're not strong enough in who you are and whose you are, and you don't know who your identity is in Christ, and just as a person in general, you'll take on that persona and you'll be like, you'll you'll start to think, I do deserve this. Mm-hmm. It is my fault. I am being treated this way. I think people really underestimate how hard it is to get out of a toxic situation. And when you have people like Megan Thee Stallion, who's on a, a big platform, she and 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 basically they had videos in three different angles. Her situation got exposed. Mm-hmm. So then you have executives, you have the fans, you have other TV and music personalities throwing their opinions in. It's easy to provide that pressure to move out of that situation. Mm-hmm. But when it's a me or a you and we're going back to our homes and the cameras aren't on us 24-7 and we don't have the same resources to get out. Get resources, exactly. A lot of times you think this is my situation. This is my situation. This is what I have to take on on my own. Uh, this is something I have to figure out on my own. And and you the the person eventually feels helpless, hopeless, and this is life, and this is how it's supposed to be. And I, I think the, the root of it is, and a, a lot of relationships start off in, like, there's a thrill. You know, there's that thrill, that new honeymoon phase, that, that good feeling. And then, but it's not how the relationship starts. It how, it's how it evolves. Mm. And that's where the domestic violence behaviors and and the early warning signs start to show up. You see the 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 it, it usually starts with the emotional abuse, you know, or, or the psychological abuse, um, where it's like 
you know, you, you, you're fat, you know, or nobody's going to want you, you know, those sort of things. Um, and, and then it eventually goes to physical and then you see this, this, this power and control. And then, you know, I beat you or do this to you, or I withhold from you financially. And now I, I started to shower you with these gifts. I bring you back in. I tell you, I'll never do it again. But I never got help from the first part, the first time I did it. And then the pattern continues. The pattern continues, yes. And I mean, I think this is really a great topic that we're discussing, Jamon. Someone like yourself who has a background in social work, I'm sure you've seen a lot of scenarios like that where it it's a pattern mm-hmm. and it evolves. Mm-hmm. And then that's when at some point it gets out of control and then you need someone, a resource. There are six types of domestic violence um, situations. You have the financial, you have the verbal, and um, you have the psychological and emotional, sexual, you have the spiritual, and the new age, you have the cyber the cyber abuse or the, the online abuse. And being of victim of domestic violence, uh, being a sibling of a victim and also experiencing firsthand account of domestic violence in childhood, it's easy to overlook the signs of, of, of domestic violence. It's easy to understand when someone is actually experiencing that. And when you said that earlier in our conversation about, you know, the the painted, you know, the person looking Persona. all poised and where when I was younger, I, I, I had an abusive father. Um, well, he, he wasn't physically abusive to me, but to my mom. And you would have never known um, because we never spoke of it. We never talked about it. Um, there were times where we would leave and... And rightfully so, we were like we would leave, and we when were, you say you would leave, you mean you, your mom, and your siblings would pack up and go. We would pack up and go, and but we were so in our neighborhood. It was a small neighborhood, so we would just go to my mom's mom's house, and we would um, stay there for a few days. Um, for as young as I could remember, when that would happen, we would go there, and I would always feel this sense of relief. But then, two or three days later, he would show up on the doorstep and he would give this same soft story. Now me being a young person and not having that understanding, I never understood why she went back. Cause three days, a few days later we would be back in the house, be back in the house. And then that cycle would repeat over and over again to, to witness this cycle of abuse repeat over and over again and how it ultimately ended full circle with my sister's life. We share the same father. Um, and he was abusive. Um, and although, as we're going to talk about later, ways to escape, we ultimately didn't have to escape because he eventually ended his, his own life um, due to perhaps mental is- health issues as well as um, substance abuse. But um, just to think about how it came full circle with my sister's life, is she was killed by someone who eventually took his own life. So you just see how that abuse just kind of like 
extends and it, it goes generation after generation after generation. And so sometimes I have to even check myself when I become angry, mm-hmm. especially when I'm in an intimate relationship with someone, because I've always told myself, I never want to be that guy. And I, I never want to be the person to cause that kind of pain to someone else. And the the, the pain, and, and I think as I've grown into adulthood, it, it has plagued me up until my early 30s and until I eventually began to write and, and therapy and, um, and also, you know, my faith in God, you know, be beginning to really realize who I am. I took a, I, I took a step back um, from ministry for a few years be, because of, because of this, because it was so much going on with me personally and mentally, um, physically and spiritually that I, I just couldn't fathom, you know, why would God create people mm. that did these things to people? Why did bad things happen to good people? And what, what we see is people not learning the basics. And that is being taught how to explicitly love. We implicitly learn how to love by watching other people. We watch our parents. We watch people around us. And that's how we learn how to love. We don't learn how to love because someone says, you don't do that. You don't do this. We learn by watching. And because we do that, and because we learn in those ways, it's hard to distinguish between whether or not am I loving the right way? Is my love healthy? Is my love unhealthy? Right. Because it's not like there comes with an instruction manual. Yeah. This is how you should um, interact in relationships and a lot of people feel like they define their relationships on their own terms and and a lot of that new age thought yeah and 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 i and i, I see that especially like you said with, with new age relationships and I, I think with the access of being able to date virtually and we are able to date multiple people at one time uh, i mean i'm not condoning that but that, that is the reality. When people sign up for virtual dating, they have access to a catalog of individuals. And so that catalog of individuals, you have done, Sam, Paul, all of these people, people. become disposable. With these different personalities. And oh, right so you, you, <laughs> we can have a whole discussion on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Trust me, I know. <laughs> but, yeah, but people, they become disposable. They be, and we begin to blur the lines of what is right and what is wrong. We begin to blur the lines of um, what's healthy and what's unhealthy. And we often see that in the beginning of a relationship. And a lot of times people think it's cute when he says, when you say, oh, he don't want me to, he want me all to himself. And we, <laughs> <laughs> but, but tell the truth. Have you ever heard someone say that? Um, yeah. Or, I mean, you hear all kinds of stuff like, oh, um, he don't like it when I do this. Or, uh, you know, he wants me to be with him all the time and he doesn't like my friends. Those are all signs. Those are all signs. But 
when it's presented in the new thrill of a relationship, that honeymoon phase and that whole that euphoria that we have. Because people want to be wanted. Yeah, and it's like, oh, he really wants me. You know, he, he wants all of me and all of, he wants me exclusively. But that's unhealthy. That's control. Exactly. And that goes back to the domestic violence wheel, that, that power and control cycle. And eventually it's gonna be he wants them all he wants you all to himself. Then it's gonna be he's gonna start downing your friends. Um, you know, why do you hang out with those losers? Or, you know, she just uh, you know, whatever, whatever. And then so it, it, it just it snowballs into something. And then before you know it, you're in this situation that you're you're months later and you're like, How did I get here? Right. But it was a buildup. It was gradual. It was gradual. It, it was gradual. We see that in our normal friendships. Um, we see it with 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 male female relationships. We see a female female friendships. All of these friendships where the jealousy sits there, and we compete as we are naturally competitive, and a little bit of competition between friends is good. But when it comes to the point where you don't want to. When you don't want your friend to succeed, that's a problem. Or you begin or your mate to succeed. Your mate, or you know, when you, whenever you come to the point where you do, you will do anything to stop someone from taking the from from leaving you, or from from or from getting out of your control. That's a problem. That is a problem. The Bible even mentions domestic violence. Implicitly, right? it doesn't speak directly on domestic violence. I mean, but we can go to the story of Tamar when she was um, she was raped by her brother, and then we see that he was uh, her brother was eventually killed by another brother uh, because he held on to that. But but the reason that is in the Word of God is because it's not to highlight the violence, but it highlights that God hates when there is injustice amongst. To his people. Domestic violence is a type of injustice to an individual, usually a woman. And we see that we, we see that in a male-dominated society where women are held back. And but then when you get into Jesus' ministry, when he's walking around, he he ministered to a lot of women and the children. One, and sometimes you see the warning signs. And so I think it's important to talk about that as well as being a person or ally for someone who's in need because you oftentimes see people withdraw mm -hmm. you see a change in affect and behavior you see a change in how they dress mm -hmm. you see how they interact with others i think it's so important to look and, and be able to identify warning signs. And sometimes people are not ready to receive the help, mm -hmm. but it's not ever going to be a, a bad thing to reassure people that you'll be there. Yeah, but and, and the reason some people aren't ready for the help is due to that control. Because, I, I mean, you people, some people have tried to escape. And then they've been sabotaged in their escape plan and, and all of those things. But I think one of the good warning signs, um, one of the best warning signs um, that I've encountered um, doing the work in the community um, as a, a, a mental health therapist was 
law when when one has a loss of enjoyment for what they used to like to do. And if you can think back to why you stopped doing the thing that you used to love to do, and it is directly linked to your partner because your partner didn't want you to do it or because he didn't like how you looked when you did it or because he didn't, you were too gone too long when you did it. And that's the problem because that is taking your identity because you came into the relationship mm. with your own identity. It's just the same as that person can come and come into the relationship with their own identity. When you find yourself losing, when you lose yourself to someone else, that is unhealthy. That's so true. If you can't look, if you can, if you can't look in the mirror and see yourself the same or better, or better, right, or better, then that's that's an issue. But then there also has to be the emotional toll. So if you are in a relationship and it's always draining you, like whenever you're around that person and you will just feel like tense and, and bothered and and, and 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 don't know why but then when you are out and about and by yourself or alone or with other friends and you feel happy and joyful that energy comes from that person it comes from that 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 interaction tie, that tie that you all have together that that soul tie that you all have and sometimes it takes us breaking severing that tie when you break up with someone, it's also, it's a physical and a spiritual breaking. And see, what happens is when we leave these relationships, we broke up with them physically, but we're still spiritually connected to them because we never resolve the issue that that we that we took on from them. So we we have these spiritual bondage type situations where we're no longer fulfilled. And then we take that on to the next situation. Exactly. Because a lot of times you see women who've been the victims or, and I'm not just saying women, men too. People who've been victims of abuse often, if they get out of one situation, go into another one. Because like you said, they haven't broken that spiritual tie to that issue. Mm-hmm. That's And that's correct. Um, and even... I, even though I wasn't in that that the type of relationship my mom and dad was in, you know that intimate relationship, but I too had to break up in a sense with with that relationship too because I experienced all of that and I had to resolve it within myself so that I can learn to love someone else. I can learn how to give appropriate love and attention to someone else. And when I reach a disagreement or something happens that I, I don't find favorable to me to be able to come to a mutual agreement or learn coping skills to where we can problem solve together. And it's so important to have someone who's willing to develop those skills together. Together. So, yeah. And, and I, I think because it's easy to be... Because when we're in those, when you're in those domestic violence situations, you often are, feel, you feel secure. And so now you are vulnerable. So now you jump to the next person so that you can feel secure that's again. security again. But you haven't truly healed yourself. You haven't taken that security blanket off. Right. And so now you now we see where it says hurt people, hurt people. And so now you are in 
unintentionally hurting someone else. And so, I mean, that's the same for men and, and the perpetrators. Maybe they learned hurt somewhere. They had to have learned hurt somewhere. And they never coped from that hurt. And because they were hurt, they moved on and got into another spiritual tie or, or physical tie with someone else. And now they unintentionally hurt someone. But I'm not excusing their behavior, not excusing the behavior, because we all do bad things to people all the time. That's true. And none of us have can say that we've never, ever done something bad to someone in any type of relationship that we, we're in. But it's when the person calls you out on it or when they say, you hurt me, that hurt me. And then you can't move on and, and acknowledge acknowledge that you hurt and then begin to work on it. Now, if you if you are in a situation like this and you call the person out and they become confrontational, then they are not ready to change. They're not ready to move forward. They don't even acknowledge the issue exists. And that's when you have to begin to get you an exit strategy. And so I, I think a good way to go ahead and get into this is we need to talk about how to get out of these situations. I would agree. I think it's so important to have a plan um, because if you do not have a plan to get out, you're going to be right back where you came from. So I think um one, a lot of times, depending on what the security was that you were looking for or gained or garnered in that relationship can often dictate how you execute that plan. So, for example, if you were looking for financial security, and you um, are trying to leave a situation. It's important to either figure out one, do you have enough money put away? Do you have a job lined up that's going to help you feel secure enough to leave? Do you have family or friends that you can lean on in order to be that cushion until you can transition to some financial stability for yourself? Um, I think coming up with a strategic plan um, is so important. If you are looking for security and you don't feel like you have anyone to turn to. There are resources out there. There are resources, and and uh, we will have the the uh, the phone number for the National Domestic Violence Hotline and also the National Suicide Suicide Prevention Hotline at the end of the episode um, for anyone that would like to use it. And and to go back on your point of, of the plan, and you made really valid points there about the money aspect. Also, if you have a spouse or a partner that um, controls your finances, maybe you should start setting aside cash, you know, that you when, when he's not around or if he controls, if he took a set of your keys, maybe have another set made. Talking about this, I think about one of my favorite movies and uh, it stars Jennifer Lopez called Enough. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And honestly, one of the last episodes with my father was after uh, my mom, my brother, and I watched, you know, and he came in drunk right after the movie went off and it just went from there. And so that movie has always been in your in, in my in my head. And so I watch it, but 
she was very strategic in what she did. She had a support system. She had a separate cell phone. So you, you may have to go get your burner phone and, and hide it on the side. Um, she even bought another card, like a cheap card to get away. She and learned how to defend herself. And that was my best. That was the best scene of that movie, um, by the way, when she actually defended herself. And I, 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 and I like that moment, not because of the violence that it portrayed, but it showed her taking back her power. In that moment, she freed herself from years of torment, from toxic, from a toxic relationship and unhealthy love. Even that guy in that movie, he was successful. Um, I think he was a cop, if I'm not mistaken, or he portrayed himself as a cop. I can't remember what he did, but then he he, he showered her with these gifts and, and he, he lured her in. Yeah, I mean, even when they initially met, the way he set it up, mm-hmm. he, he, you know, had somebody else come mm-hmm. in and portray themselves to be this jerk. Sure. So that he could be the hero. Exactly, exactly. And so you have to look for all those warning signs. But when you come to the realization that you are A, ready to leave, and B, can leave safely, then it's time to move on. Um, especially if you have little ones um, working in, in the field um, and, 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 and seeing the little ones affected by it and, and, and having to go to shelters. And a lot of people don't leave because they don't want to go to a shelter because it looks, you know, it, 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 it's not the most ideal environment for right. that, they, that they're looking for. But shelters help and it helps you. And they have a lot of resources and, and they have very educated and experienced professionals that can reach out and, and help you as you navigate your new journey, helping you to not only free yourself physically, but also spiritually uh, from these individuals. And I think it's so important um, to also talk about when we're talking about escaping or getting out of the situation. Some of us who are dealing with some type of abuse, especially, I would say, I don't want to just say in the black community, but especially in the black community, a lot of times we want to protect somebody. And so we hold it in. And we're keeping this information from other family members. We're sitting at the Thanksgiving dinner table with the abuser. We're interacting with them to go along to get along. And it's tearing us up inside. If that is the case for you, if you can find it in you to let someone know, don't hold that cross or that burden forever because who told you you had to keep this to yourself who told you you had to protect this person who may have done something against you we will hold on to something for so long and we don't understand how much it's, it's impacting everything around us how we interact in relationships, how we're coping with things. And then it spills out into even other relationships. You're always feeling like you have to overcompensate or do so much more for any and everybody else because you've learned to protect 
the aggressor or you learn to protect those who don't have your best interest at heart. So you create that pattern. So one of the things I really want to stress in this conversation that we're having today is don't hold on to the trauma. Let it go. Tell somebody. Let If you have to get, go to therapy, then that's what you have to do. If you're not ready to let other people in the family know or other people in your friend circle know, please try to at least get therapy so that you can learn to cope so that you can set yourself free. I, I definitely, I definitely agree. And, and listen, listening to you talk, I, I, I want to empower any victim that is listening that you matter. And because I think you've been told that you don't matter or made to feel like you don't matter for so long that it, it's hard to fathom that you, you came from a place where you did matter at, at one point, but you do matter. And in order to be free from your situation, you have to understand that you are worth fighting for. You are worth the fight. You are worth the effort and, and all the, the, the turmoil and pain that it may take to get out of it. Because once you get rid of the dead weight, once you get rid of the, the trauma and the hurt and the sorrow and all the pain and on the other side of that pain and on the other side of that trauma and on the other side of all of that sorrow is your purpose, your identity, the, your identity in, in, in glory and in greatness and, and power. You are empowered to get out of this. You are not alone. You've never been alone. And you never will be alone. Mm. So whenever he or whomever tells you that no, that you don't matter, always remember, you matter. You matter Your life matters. You matter to God. You matter to people around you. You matter to your friends. You matter to yourself. And I think that is the key to moving forward out of these situations. Whether it will solve your pain, I don't know. But once you are able to make that first step, God will help you do the rest. I do believe that. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Taking your time out to listen, to understand, and hopefully to grow. We ask right now that you take a moment to pray. Pray for continued understanding. Pray for continued knowledge. And pray for a plan. And furthermore, if you are experiencing experiencing some sort of domestic violence or um, intimate partner um, violence, or if you know someone who is in uh, this type of situation, please share the video uh, and share the content with them and also continue to be that support system um, for that person. Um, we would like, like to thank you for joining us on Face to Face. Um, we hope to see you next time. And we love you. We love you. Good night. Good night. For anyone affected by domestic abuse and needing support, call 1-800-799-7233. Or if you're unable to speak safely, you can log on to hotline.org or text LOVEIS to 22522. Highly trained advocates are available 24-7. You can also check with domestic violence or intimate partner violence programs and shelters in your area. We can also help prevent suicide. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline provides 24-7 free and confidential support for people in distress, prevention and crisis resources for you or your loved ones, and best practices for professionals.
You may reach the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline by calling 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-8255. If you are in an emergency situation, please call 911. Face to face. Face to face.